Hello, this is Andy Mangum. I'm a disciples pastor. I have uh, spent about 20 years in the local pastorate. I'm now in uh, regional ministry, and I started this podcast because uh, I'm often on the road trying to, to cheat a little bit by doing some sermon prep via podcast, and I find that a lot of the podcast uh, really get chatty and talk about things that I um, might be interested in if I knew the people but don't particularly care about. So uh, this podcast is for Sermon Starts, and uh, I'm just diving in with the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, year C, the gospel reading, which I'll be following primarily is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Uh, this week's, the, the other text uh, include the, the text from Isaiah, Isaiah's call story from uh, Isaiah chapter 6, and also Paul's call story from the end of 1 Corinthians. And so the focus really is on call stories. You think about that, and we'll talk a little bit later about maybe some ways in which you would think about uh, what to do with that. But let's get in with Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Uh, reminds you of the context, uh, what's happened so far in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke uh, is the, the author. Uh, I, I believe that we have fairly good evidence that Luke himself is the author, though uh, it's not a hill I think is worth dying on. Um, Luke, uh, perhaps the only Gentile author in the New Testament. Maybe uh, some other books were written by Gentiles. But, but, but uh, uh, I think it's certainly written from a Gentile's perspective. Uh, Luke chapters 1 and 2 tell the birth of Christ and the childhood narrative of Jesus. Luke chapter 3 contains the ministry of John the Baptist and the baptism of Jesus. And Luke chapter 4 begins with the temptation of Jesus, Jesus in the wilderness, and then uh, is concluded by his uh, ministry in Nazareth where Jesus goes to his hometown. Um, he stands up to read the gospel, the, uh, excuse me, the, the Torah, uh, and then he sits down and, and talks about how the, the message has been fulfilled in their presence, um, uh, and so um, and so uh, and so, then begins chapter five. It says, "Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, uh, and a crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God." Uh, this is the Sea of Galilee, so we're in the region where Jesus uh, has just been in ministry in Nazareth, his uh, his home region. Um, and so he sees two boats there. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, uh, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowd from the boat. Uh, this is very similar to the scene in uh, Mark chapter 4, I believe, uh, where uh, Jesus is teaching from, from the boat a little way from the shore. He's taken a, a posture of a rabbi, so Luke is intentional about narrating that he sat down, uh, in, in, the, in the synagogue in Nazareth, uh, he stood up to read the scroll, but then uh, it says in verse 20, uh, chapter 4, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And then he began to teach them. So he's taking on that role uh, of a rabbi, once again sitting down to teach them. Uh, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let your nets out for a catch. And we know what's coming. I mean, maybe... Uh, the, the audience doesn't, the congregation doesn't necessarily know what's coming, but we've read ahead, so we, we know what's, what's coming. But I want to you know, maybe stop here and think about a sermon uh, insertion, maybe even something uh, that you might build a sermon around, uh, is this, this idea of going deeper. So uh, he has gone a little way from the shore in the boat. He's taught the crowd, but then with this disciple whom he's about to call, 
uh, to be a disciple, he tells them to go a little bit deeper, go out a little bit deeper. So we might, they might play with that as a, a sermon uh, idea. Simon answered him and says, Master, uh, we have worked all night but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, uh, I will let down the nets. What's interesting here is the way in which most of our translations uh, translate that. It, it, it says, if you say so. Uh, however, uh, the, the uh, English Standard Version is actually true to the uh, literal uh, meaning. It says, at your word. Uh, so at your word here, it, it may be a contrast. If you notice up in verse 1, uh, the crowd had come to hear the word of God from, from Jesus. And now Simon is saying, at your word. Um, uh, and so uh, um, I think there are scripture reading this morning uh, has that important detail then about the way in which Jesus' ministry is connected uh, to what he says. At the concluding, conclusion of the preceding uh, story, uh, Jesus said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also because that is why I was sent. And so the first three verses of our reading this morning really focus on the teaching, speaking ministry of Jesus, what Jesus said. Oftentimes when I talk about the ministry of Jesus, I talk about the messages, the mendings, and the meals. Uh, but this is a message uh, aspect, and we want to listen to that. Now, there was a large crowd. Uh, notice that Luke says what they're doing. They are listening to the word of God. And even as Jesus enters the boat, his purpose uh, for getting in there is not to perform the miracle. His purpose for getting in there is to teach. Uh, so for following Jesus Christ begins with hearing uh, the word of God. Though God's word produces followers and followers seek God's word. Soren Kierkegaard uh, wrote, God's word is given in order that you may act according to it, not in order that you may practice the in interpretation of what you find obscure. The word of God is first uh, a, a good news. It does not comply with our definition of good news, but rather defines what good news is. And Jesus came to proclaim good news uh, to the poor uh, for the release of the captives. So the word of God is God's very self communicated to believers in the living presence of Jesus Christ and in the verbal witness uh, that is given through, uh, through Jesus' message. So when they had done this, uh, they, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. So this is a huge catch of fish. And I find it interesting that, that you know, what we're about to do is we're about to leave all that behind. Uh, so, so Jesus has met these disciples where they are. Uh, the, the New Living Translation says, A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. Nets began to break. Boats began to seek. The work of Jesus is too great for human capacity to hold. Um, uh, so that might be something else that you might want to explore. Uh, but when Simon Peter saw it, now notice this. Uh, we, 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 we might want to supply the story from John that when Jesus called Simon, he said, your name is Simon, I will call you Peter, um, um, and, and uh, you'll be the rock. Uh, and, and of course, in Matthew, we have that story where uh, Jesus said uh, after Peter's confession, Simon Peter's confession uh, of faith, that uh, Jesus said, upon this rock, I, I will build my church. Um, that, that, those stories aren't in Luke for us. Uh, but what we do have here is this really subtle shift 
in, in the way that Luke tells the story. He's called him Simon. He's called him Simon. He's called him Simon. And now he calls him Simon Peter. Uh, Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Isaiah says something very similar in the Isaiah call story, uh, where in the Isaiah call story, um, uh, Isaiah experiences the presence of God, and he says, Woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. As well, uh, when, when Paul recounts his uh, call story, uh, he says, uh, Jesus appeared to the to the 12 and to the 500, and then, you know, uh, to me as one untimely born, he appeared uh, to me. So, um, so, so there is this humbling that occurs when we, we come face to face with uh, the divinity of, of Jesus, and, and particularly in the resurrection. Uh, For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also uh, were James and John, the, brother, the sons of Zebedee, uh, who uh, are partners with Simon. Uh, when Jesus said to him, to Simon, do not be afraid, then, so, excuse me, uh, then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for from now on you will be catching people. When they brought their notes to the shore, they left everything and followed him. So uh, again, we have these uh, very similar stories in other texts, um, and, and the focus of this week's um, uh, lectionary readings are, are all on these call stories. Followers of Jesus Christ are commissioned people. They are called. They are transformed. They hear the word of God. They experience the transforming presence of Jesus Christ, and they are called. Uh, and, and, and we hear that in, in Jesus' words, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch people. Uh, we could spend you know all year speaking about do not be afraid, uh, and, and perhaps we should. Uh, but, um, but there's this call that, that, that Peter will be involved in in evangelism, in drawing people into relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, for pastors, I think one of the, the great temptations here, maybe not temptations, I think it's valuable for us to tell our call stories and how we came uh, to vocational ministry. But one of the things I think we, we do sometimes is we create this dichotomy between the called who are, who are vocational clergy and the uncalled, that's everybody else. And, and really God calls each of us uh, to unique work and particular work. And, uh, and so I would, want, uh, I would hope that we'd find some way in preaching this text to emphasize um, the calledness of all of us, not just those who are in vocational ministry. I rely frequently on an essay entitled Why Work by Dorothy Sayers. Dorothy Sayers, a British uh, mystery novelist, uh, contemporary of J.R.L. Tolkien and, uh, uh, and C.S. Lewis. And, um, but she also, like those two, also spoke uh, significantly of uh, theology and, um, and wrote quite a bit on that. And, and she said this in this essay uh, to, um, on why work. She said, the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him uh, not to be drunk or disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. What the church should be telling him is this that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. Church, by all means, uh, and decent forms of amusement, certainly. But what use is all that if in the very center of his life and occupation he is insulting God with bad carpentry? Uh, no crooked table legs or ill-fitting drawers ever came out of the carpenter shop in Nazareth, nor, if they did, 
could anyone believe that they were made by the same hand that made heaven and earth? Uh, there's some you know, creative uh, supplication or uh, supplying uh, of details by uh, Dorothy Sayers, uh, but, but I think that's valuable to say uh, that, that all of us are called. We're called into our vocational lives to, to bring excellence in ways that honor God. We're called into our communal lives uh, to be agents of justice and peace. We're called into uh, a witnessing life to bear, bear witness to what God has done for us. Uh, we all have a call, and that call is not just to be vocational ministry. And so uh, as you deal with call stories in this week, encourage you to, to find ways to talk about the call that each of us have and can respond to. All right, well, that's, uh, that's this week. I hope you find that helpful. I hope that uh, got you through the commute with some 